This podcast is brought to you by Fear Free, the initiative that takes the pet out of petrified and puts treat into treatment. Learn more at fearfreepets.com. This is the Fear Free podcast series. I'm your host, Steve Dale. Today, we're talking about practical approaches to fear-free principles with Dr. Sarah Wolf. Dr. Wolf is a small animal veterinarian and self-described client experience nerd. She knows the challenges faced in providing outstanding care to both pets and people and has a few solutions up her sleeve. Maybe she will share them. Over more than two decades in the veterinary field, she has worked in support and veterinary roles across a range of practices from low-cost clinics to boutique house calls and believes each role in every practice contributes to a successful patient and client relationship. Hello there, Dr. Wolf. Hi, Steve. Thanks so much for having me. So what is your background regarding Fear Free? How did you first hear about it? And then what turned you on about it? Yeah, so I'm a small animal general practice veterinarian. I've been practicing as a vet for about 11 years now. And I also work in consulting with vet practices to help them care for both ends of the leash. So making sure that the experience their clients are having is just as good as the medicine they're practicing. And I was lucky in vet school to have sort of an early exposure to the idea of low stress care in the first place, especially with feline patients. I went to the University of Edinburgh and our clinical team there was just very good about teaching us what a difference it made to give cats a better experience in particular. And so fast forward a few years working in practice and seeing that truly play out in front of my eyes and just the difference in the kind of medical care and the quality of what we were doing, went to a conference, the uh, IAABC conference, which if anyone doesn't know, it's the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. And I saw Dr. Marty Becker present this newfangled thing called Fear Free that was going to be launching. And he made the case for why it was important, not just emotionally for us and for the bond between pets and their people, but also physiologically and for our medical care. And I was sold, you know, that was it. Went back to practice, started implementing more of it. And now I work in a practice where it's literally written into our core values that providing low stress care for our patients is important. Uh, has that made a difference? Absolutely. I mean, I, Personally, I love it. You know, I don't get scratched. I don't get bitten on a very base level. You know, I get to, to have a better experience with my patients. My patients have a better experience with us. It's just so different to watch a dog come bounding in through the front door versus being dragged over the threshold. I think all of us, you know, love that part of it, but also for our clients, you know, for them, if they don't have to be fearful and anxious, they can really relax and trust us and enjoy their experience with us and take more away from it. You know, it really improves the value for them because they're suddenly learning more about their pet. They're able to engage with our team and with us and ask questions instead of being distracted by all of the anxiety that they're feeling and their pet's feeling. So Dr. Wolf, I'm curious. So Cornell, University of California, Davis, Tufts, they're not good enough for you. How did you land in <laughs> Edinburgh? And, and what do you think the difference was going to veterinary school there in speaking with colleagues who have gone to vet school here? Yeah, so there are a lot of differences between the US system and the UK system. Uh, one of the main ones is that, although it's not, this is not ubiquitous across the US, but we don't track in the UK. So you do everything until you graduate. And um, I am horrific on a farm. I am an embarrassment to farm medicine. <laughs> so I owe a lot to the farm veterinarians who got me through those last couple of years. 
but it was nice too, because you get to see a huge variety of clients, a huge variety of cases, and you get to kind of come away with this more comparative knowledge base in my mind anyway, but I'm going to toot, you know, the horn of the UK system a little bit. Um, on the flip side, in the US, I think you have an opportunity to get a little bit deeper into some of the knowledge base with a smaller group of species towards the end. And so there's, there's pros and cons on either side of it. I ended up there because I'm a total Anglophile at heart. I love the UK and I in particular love Scotland and I was ready for an adventure and I got in and you don't look a gift horse in the mouth when you get into vet school. You you go and you take it for all it is. Oh, for sure. I was just curious about that. So getting back yeah. to Fear Free specifically. All right. So you watch Dr. Marty Becker and you're sold on the idea. What hurdles, if any, do you see to get clients or practices for that matter, your colleagues, to commit to doing it? Yeah, you know, I think there's kind of two sets of hurdles. The first set is just going to be logistical. You know, you need to have time, energy, and knowledge to be able to do this from a professional point of view. You also need to figure out what's going to work for each client and each patient. And as we all know, there is no one size fits all approach to this. You have to really figure out what's best for that family and that pet in that situation. And that can be tough. And then really, once you get beyond that logistical kind of component of things, we've got two big sort of psychological hurdles. The first is for clients, the idea of FAS in the first place can be new information. Maybe they've never really thought about fear, anxiety, and stress for their pet. Either their pet's doing what they want or not doing what they want. Mm -hmm. And when they're going for medical care with themselves and their family, I guarantee you are not talking about the FAS of our kids getting vaccines at the doctor's office, right? You know, how many of us have had kids that they're told to just hold them down, we're going to vaccinate them, or you white knuckle it through your own dentist's appointments, which is what I do. You know, I hate the dentist. And the dentist isn't talking to me about, oh, what could we do to make this less stressful for you? So when you start talking about this in practice, you are opening an entire new world to people. And that's a big hurdle. That's a lot of new information to take in. And for a lot of clients, they also come to us for a specific service. You know, they've come for a vaccine. They've come for a refill of a prescription. And we know just how hard it can be to deviate from that script. Maybe we're worried about the new heart murmur. Maybe we're worried about the high FAS. And for them, once we start to deviate from what they came for, it can make them feel vulnerable, which is a totally normal reaction. But now we're dealing with that psychological component as well, in addition to everything else we're trying to get done during the appointment, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I understand all that. By the way, I think you need a new dentist, a new pediatrician, because <laughs> dentists should be doing that, and pediatricians should be doing what you described. They're not, in your case. All right, so here's one of the things that I heard way early on when I signed on to Fear Free, way early on, uh, and that is, I'm not going to have time to do this. I've, I've got I've to watch the clock, because my boss says... I have to watch the clock or on occasion, and you kind of alluded to this, the clients come in expecting to run in and run out. I think that time on the front end is an investment, and we're also not talking about a lot of time. What do you say about that? Yeah, I think it depends a little bit on where your practice is at in this journey, right? If you've got a fully fear-free certified practice, you're probably in a situation where your clients are getting a lot of prep work and education ahead of time, right? And that's time that your practice may have already invested in and understands the benefit of it. If you're not there yet, you know, if you're fear-free certified or working towards it, you know, you might be in a, a tougher spot in terms of what time is allotted for fear-free specific. 
But in that situation, I think you just have to redefine what success looks like, right? And understand what the ultimate goal is. So the ultimate goal is a fear-free experience. Maybe today's goal in the next 20 minutes, because that's all that your practice is ready to invest, is convincing the client that coming for some happy visits is a good idea, you know, and helping them start getting their pet more excited about pulling into the parking lot. Maybe it's getting them to try some anti-nausea medication before their next appointment. You know, you might be able to make some inroads, even if you have zero time that you've been given in a way that is going to actually build step-by-step to create a much better experience for both your patients and your clients. And I think as the team starts to see that, as your practice management team starts to see that, they're going to see how happy those clients are, how compliant those clients are, and how many fewer injuries your team has, you know, all of these things on the back end. And that's going to help them see the value and, and understand where additional investment is going to pay off in the long run for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's absolutely true. And as I'm listening to you talk about that, I'm thinking, well, let's dive in just a little bit deeper. So you talk about how you may be able to prescribe anti-nausea medication before a visit, but that's not exactly what you said. You said for a happy visit. I want to talk about those. In your experience, are clients, once you explain the need to do this with mm-hmm. with a dog or a cat, either one, or frankly, potentially a pet parrot, uh, would clients say, okay, I understand why this is important, or better maybe, let's have fun. We're going to do it with the kids. It'll be a blast. We're going to come in and get the dog treats, and we're all going to have a good time. Or do people say, I'm too busy to do this. Or do they say, you're crazy? I think you get a variety of responses and it depends how you bring it up, right? You know, any of these communication topics go very differently depending on how you start it. You know, we've all had a bad day where we started every conversation and an appointment wrong and no one signed on for any of the things we wanted. And we've had a good day where we started right these conversations and and got great compliance and buy-in. And for what I call happy visits, you know, coming into just come to the practice, get some cookies and and have a good time for a few minutes. I tend to start that conversation by just asking, Hey, what is, are you ever driving by here? Do you work near here? Um, Are you guys ever in the neighborhood? And that'll get them talking about kind of their routine a little bit. And then you can suggest a way that might be easy. Like, Oh, you go to that dog park just down the street. You know, we would love to have them stop in a couple of times when you're coming or going, you don't need an appointment. You just pull on in, bring them in, give them a couple of cookies up front. Um, a lot of dogs love that. We would love to see him and, you know, that'll help him get used to coming on in and it won't be so scary for the next time. And most people think, oh my gosh, I can come get free cookies for my dog. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can make this dog park outing even more fun. Fantastic. And, you know, you can even take it up a notch. If you know, they love to play fetch with their dog, tell them to bring the tennis ball and they can run up and down the hall a couple of times, you know, add whatever that they're doing with their pet already. And, let that be something that they can do at your practice so that they're strengthening their own bond while you're also strengthening your bond with that pet. Does it work? I mean, so what you say in theory sounds wonderful, and it does, by the way, sound wonderful. But in your experience, uh, okay, when clients have said, I'm going to do this and throw a tennis ball up and down the hallway, maybe not that, <laughs> but, give the, dog cookie, yeah. but yeah. give the dog cookies, uh, does it help? It helps enormously. You know, I think if people feel welcome to come in and be a part of your community, it absolutely can work. I'm not going to say that every single client's going to sign up 100%, right? But I think if they come and do it once, especially, you've got them hooked. You know, if you can convince them to come a first time, and, and sometimes that's as simple as 
pretending like you're putting it on the calendar, right? Like we don't set aside time for that, but maybe saying, would next Tuesday morning work when you're on your way? Go ahead and throw it on your calendar. We can't wait to see him. Then they feel a little sense of obligation, right? That adds to it. Um, And then a lot of them will come in. And once they come in once and see just how fun it is and that their dog enjoys it, they're going to come again and again. And it it really builds on itself in that regard. You know, I think it works at several different levels. Uh, One, if the client isn't expecting the dog to be fearful, and the client is actually, a smile is on the client's face, and those positive endorphins are just flowing, Mm -hmm. uh, then the dog feels more comfortable just because of that alone. Not to mention, I know that any store we go by that gives our dogs cookies, and then let's say the store goes out of business, the dog doesn't read the sign out of business, and the dog is still standing at the door waiting for those cookies because the dog knows I'm getting cookies there, and it's all together. Absolutely. Yeah. So mm-hmm. does it does it matter at several different levels? It does. And then it also builds within the community. You know, somebody is going to say at the dog park or at their kid's, you know, karate event that, oh my gosh, my dog just drags me through the door at that vet hospital. They've always got cookies. He loves going in there. It's crazy. I can't even drive by without him getting excited. You know, they just have to say that once for everybody within earshot to want to come to your practice, to want to do that at their vet already, to be expecting that to be something that can happen for their pet. And so every single person that you can get to have even just, you know, one tiny positive experience in that vein is going to magnify your message within your community. So here's what people are thinking or saying as they're listening to this. They're talking about the easy stuff. They're talking about dogs. (laughs) Yeah. What about cats? Totally fair. Cats are a whole other, you know, can of worms. I would say with cats, it is really about getting the pain points for clients. So what do clients need for their cats? You know, growing up, we had cats who probably were really only ever put in the carrier to go to the vet. And you can imagine how well that went down. And that that carrier can. So you tell me, I'm sure you can give me a better list that laundry baskets, potato sacks. I mean, I mean, the, backpacks. Yeah, the list. Seen the list. The list yep. of things that people. So the first thing is an appropriate carrier, but oh yeah, yeah. But be, so do you talk about that, and then do you talk about what you began to talk about here, and that is appropriate carrier training. Yeah. So you know, I think in that first time that you have a chance to talk to the client, and in reality, that's usually right when they're in front of you with a cat who's already had maybe a potentially traumatizing carrier experience. You can say, hey, how was it getting him in the carrier? And they can say, oh, my gosh, it was terrible. And then they'll tell you their story. And you can say, you know what? I hear that a lot. I've had that same experience with my cat. Here's some things you could do. Number one, I hate to say it, but let's think about a carrier that's going to be a good fit for him. And these are the kind of carriers we tend to see that work really well for this, that cats respond really well to and are, you know, in my experience, really worth the investment of switching over to. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, once you've got that new carrier, there's some really easy stuff that you can do at home to help him enjoy that carrier. And a lot of people have the experience of dogs being crate trained and loving their crate and using it as their bed. And so I'll often refer back to that and say, just like dogs can have a crate that they love, that's their safe space, a carrier can be that for a cat. And it's easier than you would think to get them to that point and run through some basic steps with them and then give them some resources, you know, so they've got a step-by-step guide when they're leaving your practice with some recommended carrier ideas and then follow up, you know, either give them the okay to call you back with any questions or, or follow up a couple weeks later and say, Hey, how's that going? You know, 
um, any issues coming up. And that way they know they've got an open line of communication to you about how they can make, you know, big steps in this direction. Well, big steps in the direction can be made as long as, and they can be, as long as clients say, yes, I'm on board. Are there any additional communication tools you can use to effectively convince clients that aren't on board with fear-free approaches? Yeah. So, you know, whenever we're talking to anybody, especially in sort of a condensed situation where you've got maybe limited time or you see a lot of hurdles in front of you, I think it can be really helpful to remember two things. Number one, resistance to change is a normal part of being human and it's a normal part of part of every process. So expect your clients to be a little bit resistant to any suggested changes and just be prepared for that. You know, emotionally yourself, don't be upset if you see that. If you see it, it means you're moving in the right direction. And then you can focus on creating collaboration between yourself and your client. And the goal of getting there, it really requires two things, avoiding putting your client on the defensive and avoiding creating cognitive dissonance. So defensive feelings are something that we all develop when we feel criticized in some way. And unfortunately, in a vet practice situation, when you're in an appointment and you're talking about how the cat didn't like getting in the carrier and the cat's overweight and the cat needs a dental, it's really easy for the client to feel like you're criticizing lots of things. And so it's really important that when you're talking to them, you avoid being critical and instead praise lots and lots of things about them and about how they're caring for their pet and about their pet. You know, his coat is gorgeous. Do you groom him? You know, and maybe they don't, but they'll still feel proud that they've got a cat with a really gorgeous coat, you know, and then you can take those praise moments and create suggestions that are a follow on. So one of my favorites is if you're thinking about grooming, you do such a great job. His coat is so beautiful. You know, something else we can do to help both his appearance and his smell is think about his dental health. And as a bonus, it also helps his internal organs and will help relieve pain. And here's how we could do that. Would you be interested? You know, well, Fear Free is the same. You know, he's such a sweet dog. He is such a kind cat. You know, he's so cute. He's purring away or whatever he's doing, you know, and, and take it from there. You know, what can we do to help him be that sweet in all situations, you know, to help him be able to shine as the wonderful dog that he is. And people respond much better to that than to a perceived criticism. And then the final one, cognitive dissonance. This one is um, a little bit harder sometimes to wrap your head around, but I've personally found it to be the most helpful thing to understand in communicating with clients, especially around fear-free. And if you want to learn more about this, there's a phenomenal book called The Human Half of Dog Training by Risa Van Fleet. And it is available online. um, And it talks about a lot of this communication stuff in more depth. But Cognitive dissonance is when humans are trying to hold two opposing thoughts in their mind at the same time. And we are just not geared up to do that. We do not like to do that. And so we'll dismiss one of them and we'll hold on to the thought that most closely aligns with how we identify. So for an example would be, you know, talking about food with people, if we're not thinking about behavior, but, but medical stuff, if someone thinks they're a wonderful dog owner, and so they picked a wonderful dog food and it happens to be grain-free and you tell them, well, grain-free diets aren't good for dogs. They've now got two different ideas. They're a wonderful dog owner who picked a good dog food and the vet says the food is bad. They can't believe both those things at the same time. And so they're going to dismiss you because that's what their brain has to do to move forward. Well, you can flip the script and say, how lucky is Fluffy that he's got someone who cares so much about his nutrition. I'm so glad that you're thinking about it. Here are some other factors that we can consider when we're picking a dog food. And now suddenly everything aligns. And it's the same thing when it comes to fear-free or behavior concerns. Your dog is a wonderful dog. He's a good dog. He is 
experiencing a normal reaction to something that makes him fearful? How can we help him continue to be a good dog so everyone can see that? And just kind of lining it up in a slightly different way is going to completely change how quickly your clients can jump on board, even for the most resistant client that you've got in front of you. Boy, oh boy, you should be communicating all this stuff at veterinary conferences. You're terrific. You truly <laughs> you. are. You truly thank are. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. It's an honor to talk to you, Dr. Wolf. Dr. Sarah Wolf, thank you. Thank you so much. If you're already registered for Fear Free, be sure to keep up with all the Fear Free happenings. Access the new toolbox items and find all the additional courses at fearfreepets.com. And of course, if you're not registered, find everything you need to get started at fearfreepets.com. If you're a member interested in pursuing practice certification, get more details on the same site under the Veterinary About section. And if you're a pet owner who just stumbled upon this podcast, how lucky you were to hear Dr. Wolf. And you can learn more at fearfreehappyhomes.com. I'm Steve Dale.